The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. sermon this morning is based on the lesson printed right there in your bulletins on page 10. I invite you to follow along there. We'll read the entire chapter of Jonah chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, He answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths and into the very heart of the seas. And the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I have vanished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath, far being forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer arose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. This is the word of the Lord. I really have no desire to be sensational this morning. But our lesson demands it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is actually a pretty sensational place from which Joan is praying. In the Bible, you know, we've got people praying from mountainsides, we've got people praying from Ships. We've got people praying next to graves. We've got people praying all over the place, but this is actually the only time that we have someone praying from a stomach. Right? That's a pretty strange, a pretty bizarre place to utter a prayer, but it's not just the place that is absolutely sensational. It's also the way that the prayer ends. Because Jonah never says, you know, Amen. It's not like his heart wells up and he says like a doxology, like glory be to the Father, and the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. It's not like there's even tranquil moment after the prayer to just rest in it. Instead, something sudden happens, something Violent, something nauseating happens. And this is what the narrator says. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah 
onto dry land. So that's why we've got to talk about God. We don't have to be personal about it. You know, I'm not here to remind you the last time you were with your kid at 2 a.m., but we do want to think about vomit from a biblical perspective. <laughs> don't make me laugh. <laughs> we want to think about vomit from a biblical perspective. You know, I studied this word in the Bible this last week, and this is what I discovered. It's a very simple and very obvious truth. The only reason things or people vomit in the Bible is because something makes them sick. Something causes the sickness. So you know what the, the thing that vomits the most in the Bible is? This might be surprising. The land. It's the land. The, the land in the Bible gets sick. You know why? You know why the land vomits? It's because of the sin of the people. And the land vomits over and over again, vomiting out the people because of their sin. This is the point. When something or someone vomits in the Bible, it's because something is making them very, very sick. And if you didn't notice, what we have on our hands here this morning is a very, very sick fish. Someone or something is making the fish sick. Someone or something is causing like massive uh indigestion, something is like a gut bomb to this poor fish. Because it's not like the narrator said in Jonah, you know, he just walked out of fish, or like a divine ramp just kind of comes up to the fish's mouth, and Jonah just walks right out. What the narrator does is he uses a very sensational word, a very personal word, a word that absolutely calls our attention. Right? Talks about fun. And it, I'm not asking you to be, look, we're not asking you to be marine biologists this morning. And I, I don't think that we need to call a veterinary to try to figure out, you know, what causes a fish to become sick and vomit. But what I am asking you to do is take a hard look at a prayer. A hard look at a prayer that many commentators say is a model prayer. And I want you to ask yourself the question, is it real? Because there is something that is absolutely subtle and absolutely subversive that is happening in this prayer that makes the fish very sick. You notice what Jonah says in verse 2? This is what he says. I call to the Lord. Did you know he's quoting Psalm 120? Almost word for word, but this is what he does. He changes it subtly and subversively. Psalm 120 actually says, To the Lord I call out. See what he did? He put himself first. Before the Lord. He puts himself on center stage in this prayer. You know, we could do a little exercise this morning. We could, we could do this. We could count how many times Jonah talks about himself in the prayer. 
It's a whopping 24 times. You know how many times Jonah utters the name of the Lord? Just 16 times. Who's Jonah praying to? Is he praying to himself or is he praying to God? You know, after a while you start to wonder. You know, the prayer gets a little worse from there. In verse 3, he says, You hurled me. And he goes on to blame the Lord for the whole situation. And in a sense, he's right. You know, it was the Lord who sent the storm. But, but if I remember right, wasn't it Jonah who It makes me wonder, you know, Jonah, good job, you're quoting the Psalms. Good job, you're quoting from Psalm 120 and from all other places. But why don't you quote from Psalm 32? Why are you not quoting Psalm 51 and saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I have rebelled against you. I ran away from you, Lord. I didn't do what you want. I'm, I'm disobedient, Lord. That's not what he does. Not a single word in this entire prayer is a word of repentance, is it? Not a single time does Jonah say, you know, Lord, it's, it's my fault. In fact, I should probably go to him. <laughs> Instead of actually wanting to go to Nineveh, Jonah actually prays for something opposite. He asks the Lord, if it'd be alright if he goes to Jerusalem. Because he wants to go there and make sacrifices. He wants to go there and be in the presence of the Lord. And it's almost like he's saying, Dear Lord, I hope you forgot about Nineveh by now because I'd really like to go back to my home country in Jerusalem. You get the point, right? There's no repentance from Jonah. In fact, there's no repentance in the entire book from Jonah. He just wants to go back. The prayer even gets worse from there because then he compares himself favorably to the pagans. In verse 8. Remember the pagans from last week? The beautiful pagans? The pagans who row and row and row trying to save Jonah's life. The pagans who offer sacrifices to the Lord. The pagans who are always praying. You know, the beautiful pagans who come to faith? Jonah says, you know, I'm better than that. Isn't that what he's saying in verse 8? That's what he says. We'll read verses 8 and 9. says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. It's almost like Jonah saying, Lord, by the way, did you notice that at least I'm not bound down to idols like those guys? Did you notice, Lord, that not only am I not bowing down to, to idols, but I've actually made a vow to go back to Jerusalem? Lord. So maybe maybe it's time for you to, you know, put me up on the I think if we look at Jonah's prayer, honestly, that what we will discover is we understand full well why after a while the fish just couldn't stomach Jonah. 
It's because Jonah was still a nauseating person. <laughs> and so, we see the fish spit up Jonah. The prophet Jeremiah says this about people in general. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand? You know, it's right here in this prayer in Jonah chapter 2 that we see Jonah at his best, his most pious. This is as good as Jonah gets. And yet what we notice about Jonah is that he's deceived himself. He cannot see just how self-centered his prayers really are. He's not able to comprehend the shallowness of his repentance. And what is more, he's not able to make right judgments about himself in comparison to other people. He's completely self-deluded. And if we're brave enough, we'd be able to admit that about ourselves. Can't we? I mean, we we can't see ourselves with any kind of clarity. If we evaluated our prayer lives, God forbid that we would do that, we might find that our prayers are rather self-centered. We might find that our repentance is really pretty shallow. And we might find that when we compare ourselves to others, that they're better than we are. Right? And what can we say about all this? It's sickening. At least to a fish. But not to the Lord. Because that's the great thing about this section, not to the Lord, because the Lord had made a promise to Jonah. He had said to Jonah, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And the Lord kept that promise. He sent his word to Jonah. Jonah rejects it. He sent a storm to Jonah. Jonah falls asleep. He sent a fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah made the fish sick. But the Lord would not quit on him. He was determined to give to Jonah another chance. He was determined to put Jonah up on a beach somewhere so that Jonah could try and try again. That's why the Lord never allowed Jonah. In fact, he came nearer to Jonah than Jonah ever had. It says in Matthew chapter 12 that one greater than Jonah has come. Now, I know that sounds a little bit ironic because we've been saying a lot of nasty things about Jonah in the sermon series. But the fact of the matter is, I want to remind you that Jonah is a great prophet in this sense. Jonah saves everybody. Everyone that Jonah ever preaches to is saved. But not just that. Jonah survived 
a certain death, three days and three nights. That's pretty good. This is what I'm saying. One greater than Jonah has come. Through the cross of Jesus, everyone who believes is saved. And not just that. Not just that. Jesus descended for three days and three nights, and he didn't just make the grave gravely ill. It's not like the grave spit him up and then kept on living. He made the grave die. So that every single person sitting here today would have new life and life that is absolutely indestructible. There's one thing that we should say about Jonah and about how this whole thing ends up here. And we're going to take the focus off of what is sensational. Off of I want you to think about this. <clears throat> the Lord spit up Jonah, not in the middle of it, but onto a beach. Isn't that significant? I mean, think about it. Jonah is now on the beach. The sun is rising behind him. It's a, a beautiful new day. There's no storm and clouds in sight. And so now Jonah looks around and he says, Wow. I've got another chance. And there's only one question left for him to answer. It's this one. How will I now serve God? We're like that, right? This morning? You get that? It's like we've passed through the stomach of the whale. We're standing right there with Jonah with life that is absolutely indestructible through Jesus Christ our Lord. The sun is coming up behind us. It's a beautiful day. And now there's only one thing and one thing to ask of yourself. How will you use this new life? And will you not go to Nineveh? More on that. Amen. <laughs>